planning your adventure is half the fun. The easy stuff, I guess, is the bikes, the gear, the route. But the tough stuff, that's the stuff that unravels under pressure. Stamina, desire to endure hardship, or deal with the realities of riding a motorcycle in all weather, day in, day out. Negotiating and communicating as a couple, those are the difficult ones. Well, today we're going to walk through that with Sharon and Doug Wildeboer as they get ready for their adventure. I'm Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Austin Vance. Simon Payne. Bill Bragoo. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Thomas. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Sean Thomas. And this is Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. Cyclepump.com. It's wind pressure that powers the MotoBreeze chain oiler. No electrical or vacuum connections. It delivers the oil to a felt pad on your swing arm. No nozzles near your sprockets. One ounce of oil gets 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers. Get more miles from your chain and sprockets. MotoBreeze.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com My name is Sharon Wildeboer and I'm from Bowmanville, Ontario. I work in the fitness industry, primarily teaching yoga, working with older adults, and also work for the municipality of Clarington. My name is Doug Wildeboer. I work in the AV industry. I've, uh, I've been a project manager for, for years and, uh, and I do design work um, in, uh, for cinema, currently for a company that does uh, cinematic attractions in theme parks and museums and things like that. And uh, I've enjoyed riding motorcycle for, uh, well, since I was 18, and I'm no longer 18, and uh, that's us. Doug, Sharon, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you very much. So you guys are, are right now sitting all packed, ready to go on an adventure. What's the adventure? Well, we have uh, shipped our motorcycles uh, three or four weeks ago towards Iceland, and uh, we plan to go and meet them there. And, uh, and that will be our next uh, major milestone if we can get our bikes and, uh, and ourselves in the same place at the same time. And uh, we will start our adventure, uh, which will be um, traveling through Iceland to start. And then, uh, then we intend to, uh, to move uh, over via ferry to, uh, to Europe and, and plan to continue traveling through, through Europe for, uh, for up to a year while, uh, while I continue to work remotely uh, three days a week and, um, and move on from there. It, uh, is get, meeting up with your motorcycles a, a pretty sure thing? I mean, I mean, they're shipped there. You already have notification or something that they've arrived and they're waiting or? We have Apple tags on them. So 
Doug has been tracking that along the way. So it seems like they're there. Sometimes it didn't always seem like they were in the same place at the same time, but we've been following them. It's amazing how the world is changing. Apple tags on the motorcycles that you ship. I mean, you know, you'd wait for updates before. Maybe before that you would have been waiting for a phone call, but now you don't even wait for the company to tell you what's going on. You're already knowing. You're probably phoning them up and saying, when are you going to take that out of the crate? (laughs) Well, that'll be one of our uh, one of our biggest challenges on on our first day of travel because uh, we have a a, a red eye flight that travels uh, to Iceland and four hours ahead of us timeline gets gets yeah so we'll land at uh, nine o'clock in the morning and uh, after flying all night and uh, and hope to go and try to unpack and uncrate the bikes and reassemble them because they are uh, quite tightly packed with front wheels off and and all the bags sort of disassembled and so forth so uh, so. Some assembly required. Exactly. So you guys did the packing yourselves? You did the crating yourselves? We did. Yeah. There was a dealership nearby and they bike in the stuff from BMW there. So Doug got a couple of crates, combined them into one crate. The two bikes are in one crate. This is a BMW crate. Is that what you said? Yeah, two, two, two single BMW crates. I, I kind of cut them narrower and, and nested them together to try to minimize the, uh, the, the volume. Because when you ship things uh, via sea containers, then, uh, then your cubic volume comes into a pretty major play. So, so trying to reduce the height, trying to reduce the width as much as possible um, helps to, uh, to save some of the costs. If it's like other shipping, it's cubic volume until you get to the weight capacity exceeding that. And then they go by weight, which... Do you know what you what what category you're in? I was right at the uh, the equal side. You know, like I individually weighed like, the bikes and gear, and so I knew where I was heading and knew what I wanted to to minimize to. And and uh, I think we got pretty close to to basically real weight versus uh, the shipping cubic volume weight. Oh, uh, it was about a six. It's about a sixteen hundred pound skid when we sent it all off. Because that's tough to know, isn't it? When you're doing it, because you don't know if you're wasting your time trying to compact everything too much. Or if you just should have left it assembled and, and save yourself all the grief and, and you would end up paying the same money. It's tough to know where that line is ahead of time anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll remind him about that when we're in Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> and having to put it back together again. <laughs> I just hope yes. that in the, in the c- container, and maybe if, we, if it isn't, it isn't the, you still have time to correct it now, but I hope the tools are in there to put the bike back together again. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I I marked where on the crate I got to open it up to get a hold of the uh, the hand tools, but uh, X you know, marks the spot. X marks the spot where where my where my screwdriver and knife is. Like a little treasure map. Right. Oh, that's the great thing about BMWs. They go together completely with a screwdriver and a knife. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so, when you when you, like you must be some sort of carpenter or something or these have some carpentry background to build the skid. Uh, I enjoy working uh, mechanically and, and, uh, construction and, and renovations and different things like that. So not, nothing formal, but, uh, but I fake my way through it pretty well. I think. How do you know it's solid enough? Like, do they inspect it when you take it to the airport? Um, they don't. They were shipped. They, they, yeah, formal. because they were picked, they were picked up LTL, uh, from Toronto and shipped, uh, via truck to Halifax. And from there they went into the containers and so forth. So, so yeah, there are a lot of, uh, rules with, uh, with even the crates. And that's one of the benefits of getting the, the BMW crates is because they are, they have the certifications that, uh, that are required to be used as an international shipping container. You can't just go to Home Depot or, 
to a to a, you know construction store and buy all your lumber and and uh, and put it together. You uh, you you need some stamps. So um, I had started getting prices on uh, manufactured crates, you know, from shipping companies, and and that was going to be you know fifteen hundred dollars or something like that by itself. Whoa. And uh, and that wasn't uh, wasn't what it, really what I wanted to do. But um, so so yeah, coming up with with these crates at least carried the stamp with it. Yeah. I might've added a few pieces of lumber to, uh, to make sure that it was, you know, the two crates together were, 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 were properly, I didn't, I didn't want one half of the crate making it there. So, uh, so, <laughs> so we made, we made, well, and that's the apple, the apple tags show that they're there. They don't actually show that the crate or the container isn't on its side. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's all there in one place. The stamp is, is the stamp for the wood or the staples and stuff, or is it for everything? It's it's primarily for the wood to make sure that it's it's properly kiln drying uh, dried wood that can't carry bugs. You know they just don't want you shipping right. bugs from uh, from one country to another. That's uh, that's really interesting, and that's an adventure in itself. Getting that all ready to ship. Now you guys are, are going on this one year trip. You're working on the road, Sharon. Mm-hmm. What do, what exactly are you doing? So I already have some pre recorded videos. We overlap that with audio now. And so that will all be done virtually with Zoom, which we've been doing over COVID. And I will, when I have access to internet, call in. So I've basically uh, am getting royalties on stuff I've already done. I've worked with this uh, older adult association for 18 years. So I've got, I've got some credibility and some currency there to be able to do that. And I super appreciate that. So what, what is it you're teaching? Primarily yoga. I teach uh, a chair-based class called Sit and Be Fit and Yoga Lattes, which is a mix between yoga and Pilates and strength training classes. So a mixture of things. So they're going to watch a video of you and you're not there. You're not even like, you don't even have to, I mean, basically they're playing a video of you. Correct. Wow. That's really cool. And you're getting paid each time for that. I mean, not that I want to dwell on, on, on your business yeah. model, but I mean, I think it's pretty impressive because it's allowing you to go on a trip and, and still, you know, keep your income. A portion of it, but, um, you know, I might, if we're staying longer term in certain areas, I may try to see if people are interested in doing sort of a drop in yoga along the way. I've got a yoga Alliance certificate that's recognized worldwide. So we'll see what, what it holds. If I do yoga on the beach somewhere. That's really neat. But the thing is, you still had to record those. So you actually did the sessions. Uh, it's just that you sort of lined them up and I guess time the delayed their, their uh, output. Correct. And how long can you do that for? Like, could you not film more while you're on the road? That is a possibility. We, we're trying to undercommit and then uh, over deliver. Right. That's a good idea. And, and Doug, how about you? How are you going to work on the road? What do you do? Uh, I work for a company that uh, that puts cinematic attractions into uh, into theme parks and museums and places like that, and uh, so I do the audio video design. And um, we've got uh, a really good team here at home, um, but uh, but this lets me um, still answer the call and and answer the needs and review drawings and and mark up drawings and different things like that. So you know and make sure that uh, that the proper proper systems are specified. So that's that's work that I can do you know and have done for the past number of years from uh, from my from my house. So um, I think we've just kind of stretched this to to the next level to be able to. Uh, to consider doing it um, from wherever we find ourselves. So, so certainly finding internet will be uh, will be an important part of uh, of the equation. But um, but beyond uh, beyond that, if I can find internet and a little bit of power for my laptop, uh, I believe we can uh, we can do some productive work along the way. So that 
that um, that just opens up um, the possibility to do this, and it's it's it certainly has has made it um, you know less less stressful, in you know from a financial perspective. So, does the need for internet dictate where you guys chose to go on this trip, or was there other reasons? No, we uh, we hope to find it along the way. <laughs> I, I, I would actually say, yeah, it's, it's a little interesting that way. Um, certainly, yeah, we're looking at Europe and so forth. And, you know, if we were in the, uh, you know, in the in the jungle in Central America or something like that, it would be l- much less likely to be able to find reliable Internet. Um, but it kind of scores two things from Sharon's perspective. It keeps her out of the jungle, which which she's not interested in riding on those roads and uh, and keeps us into 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 more civilization. And which is easier for uh, for internet, so it it works out. What's wrong with the jungle, Sharon? I like the tarmac. I'm not a big fan of gravel and muddy roads, and he's taken me on a few. But he is by far the better rider when it comes to technical skills off roading, and I, I like the pavement. You've also done some instructing, haven't you, Doug? Um, I I am uh, I do enjoy uh, being able to uh, to play with the bikes off road, and uh, so um, uh, in Ontario here, there's um, uh, Smart Adventures, which uh, which I believe you're you're quite familiar with, Clinton, and they arrange some uh, some GS challenges along the way for Canada competitions, and and so those have been fun to uh, participate in, and uh, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to help them out a little bit along the way periodically with with just helping with with teaching some of the younger riders. Um, so so yeah, we've we've had some fun off roads, and before that, I've I've done some dirt biking, uh, you know, with with my son when we were both younger and enjoyed uh, enjoyed playing down the trails. So what got you on a bike to begin with? Well, my first bike was uh, I was probably just um, saving money. Um, I, I think when I was eighteen, I had my first bike, or even younger, seventeen, and I managed. That was one of my my first vehicles that I could uh, get around town with and, and not have to take the bus to school or to high school. So I, I managed to uh, to get a, a 1984 uh, Interceptor 500 and and drove rode that with a, a friend at one point. Said, "Hey, why don't we take him to Alaska?" And uh, we did that actually with our uh, 18-year-old derrieres on, on sport bikes, we, uh, we rode ourselves out to, uh, out to Alaska. And that was probably one of my first tastes of, of just really enjoying riding and camping wherever you want to camp and, and moving on from there. And Sharon, now do you get a, uh, on a motorcycle because of Doug or was it before that? Oh, absolutely. When we first started dating, I was riding on the back of his motorcycle and flip-flops and shorts and no safety equipment. And I want to slap our younger selves, but, um, you know, he, like he said, he tried to lure me in with the, you can travel if we ride on the bikes and do it. So I've been riding now for about eight years Mm. and that, that totally was, uh, not, I I call myself a reluctant rider, (laughs) a reluctant rider. Explain that. Well, the idea of being on something with two wheels and no seatbelt that goes that fast, there's just something every year for the first ride seems very, unnatural about that. And, um, then I get my legs and, and it gets more comfortable. And every year that, that sense of, Oh boy, no, gets shorter and shorter and the enjoyment gets more and more. So, you know, it's just, it's like, it's crazy to think of how fast these bikes can go with us on them all gear all the time now. (laughs) Yeah. No more flip flops. 
to save that for no the beach. No more flip flops. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you're saying it gets easier every year. And, and part of this is that you guys are in Ontario and you have winter. So there's at least six months that you're not riding, depending on how you know hardy you are or how interested you are in riding in cold weather. So every season for anyone who has a winter is, is sort of like a, you know, you're starting fresh again to some degree. And then once you ride mm-hmm. for a little bit, you, you feel better, but are you starting to really love the ride or, or is it, are you doing this as a, as a means of transportation, maybe to ride along with Doug? Depends on the day, but most of the time I'm enjoying the ride. It, it, uh, you just get into the rhythm of it. And I said, it's kind of this all sensory experience, right? You're smelling things, you're seeing things differently. The way you're operating the bike is a different connection than any other vehicle you drive. So certainly I would say that enjoyment factor has grown and um, just getting over your fears, right? I think sometimes that's part of it is getting over your fears and, and learning that you can do it more and getting more confident with that. And Doug, for you being an experienced rider, are there reservations there? Do you, do you have concerns riding, having Sharon on a separate bike and, you know, the, the two of you riding along on an adventure like this? Um, I'm certainly watching my, my rear view mirror lots. Um, and I enjoy it actually when she, she likes to, to lead in front because then I'm, I'm just happy to, to follow along. Um, so and yeah, I go faster and she, and she goes faster when she's not following actually. It's, 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 I, I've never understood how that works, but, uh, she's, Clint always says, ride your own ride. And that's what I tell him. So when I'm behind him, I always think I want to have that safety margin between us. But when I'm in front, I just go as fast as I want and he keeps up. Yeah, yeah, we'd like to keep an eye on on each other. I, I keep a, try to keep a watchful eye. We have uh, Senna communication devices, um, and that's been been huge for us because a I get a real good sense of of where she's at, you know, either emotionally or or tired wise, or you know, enjoying of the ride, and you know, if we see things along the way that we want to call out to each other, but. But also just in any of those trickier moments as we're navigating traffic or, or directions and things like that, they certainly make a difference. They don't they don't solve all problems, but they certainly help us stay in touch. So the intercom is usually open so I can I can just kind of hear what's going on. We kind of pick similar motorcycles. Uh, she rides a, a BMW F650 um, twin and I, I ride the F800. Uh, obviously that one's a twin as well. And, uh, so there's obviously some, some parts, um, interchange capable for, for us if, if we run into problems, but, but also there's just with the two bikes, we, we just have more space to carry things. I think I, I, my hats are off my hat is off to those who, um, ride long-term two up, um, and camp and everything else. I have no idea how they manage to, uh, to put it in because uh, we, we still find ourselves probably carrying too much stuff with, uh, with the two bikes and all the camping gear. Have you done shakedown trips? Have you loaded your bikes up and went off and checked it out? We've done like three week trips. So the most recent one was the East coast last fall. And uh, you know, we spent hours in pouring rain. So we said that's, that's practice for Iceland. And, and we had to do a little bit more motelling on that trip just because there was uh, 21 days of rain out of 29 days that we were yes. traveling. It was a lot of rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've done shakedown trips like that. We've done, uh, we, you know, a number of years ago, I think four years ago, we actually shipped our motorcycles to Calgary 
um, Alberta, which is in Canada, and um, and and then drove around uh, BC and and uh, the northern states for for three weeks there as well. We've tried to increment it up, ratchet up sort of our trips, and we've always tried to maintain. Uh, longer, at least three weeks uh, length trips, because we just find that it just takes so much time to 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 either get where we want to be, or and just to be able to uh, to make sure that it, it counts. But we've always still found ourselves up against the, the clock. clock. Um, that's been one of one of my big motivations to trying to find a bigger window, like a year, with the hope that we get released from the clock a certain amount, and. Um, just just in that if we find ourselves in a place that we want to stay longer, that we can do that. And we don't have to figure out what we're going to chop off the trip if we decide to stay here for an extra day. Um, hopefully we can find our way to to sort of meander a bit to, a bit more and, and with a little bit less of a schedule. What, what do you mean about uh, like against the clock? In what way? Well, I think when we're traveling, he always likes to jam a lot of kilometers in, in a short amount of time. And when you book and you say, this will be a day that takes four hours of traveling, that doesn't really take into account the fact that where you stop, where you drive to and back from. And then, you know, once you get to the most furthest point of where you've been, you still have to get back to Ontario and back to work and back to all those things, right? So you're on the clock where you're like, okay, and now we have to go and do it in reverse in a different direction or a different path, but we got to get back, right? Right. And, and the return always feels different. I see what you, you, that's, that's always that rush feeling. I mean, that's where a circle is sometimes better, I guess. Some people yes. say, you know, they do a circle and, but I've found my times myself plenty of times doing that, that feeling of the rush back. And there's also that mentality. I think, you know, the trip's sort of over at that point. You, I guess you pass the half life and you're returning and you, you got to burn back. So you're hoping to get away from that. There's still going to be that though, at the end. I mean, you're, you're still going to if it actually ends at a year, I'm, I'm, I have to say I'm, I'm dubious. I'm, you know, I, I trust what you're saying is, is, you know, what you believe today, but I don't know if that's really going to be it. I've heard so many people that have started out on their one week or three week or three month or whatever trip and end up um, being much longer. And, and even both of you have sort of alluded to the fact that that may be possible. So uh, I guess uh, we'll have to see what happens there. But I'm, I'm curious about your packing though, because you mentioned the bikes, the F650 and the F800, kind of the same bike, same engines. The uh, the 650, I think is a detuned version of the 800, different wheels. I think you've got spoked on the on the 800 and, and cast on the 650, but a lot of things will be the same. A lot of like wheel bearings, as you mentioned, uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of things the same. I think maybe even brake pads might be the same. So what's it been like? like different packing for this one year trip as opposed to the three week trip as far as what you're actually putting on the bikes. Definitely he packed more parts than we would for a three week trip. Yeah, I, I was, I was saying, you know, because even on our last time that we were out on a three week trip, we would sit around the fire and, and, and talk about it. And, um, you know, really, you know, one year trip is, is just, you know, a whole bunch of three week trips put together. I mean, even for a three week trip, we, we pack about a week's worth of clothes um, and we do laundry, you know, in, the, you know, every week or so. So we, we do laundry. I do the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> There's truth to that. Um, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it's more a, a rinse and repeat to our packing. Like we've often looked back and said, you know, I'm not real sure what else I would need to take, you know, other than, than what we've got. Um, even last time we made the mistake of not, not going out with our heated jackets and thought that, uh, that we didn't need that for the three week trip and, and regretted that. 
Um, so this time they're definitely there. Um, as Sharon sort of said, parts, uh, you know, there've been people that have, have sort of, you know, there's lots of forums and, and ideas of, of what parts might commonly cause you, you know, get you stuck out in the woods somewhere. Um, and, and I'm not terribly afraid of that, especially out, you know, in, in, in Europe, I don't think we're ever terribly far away from, from places, but, but yeah, I'm comfortable with, with the mechanics of, of the bikes, um, which is, which is certainly helpful in terms of feeling that, uh, you know, between the two bikes and, and having a handful of parts, you know, I think we can, we can, we won't get stuck where, where, you know, you can't figure something out. There's, there's always a solution. Um, it's not as if to wait for supply chain. So he's tried to replace all the things over the winter time in preparation that could possibly go or wear out in, you know, sort of proactively trying to avoid some of those repairs along the way. Like what kind of things? Oh yeah. Anything you could touch. I probably touched over the winter in terms of bearings and swing arm bearings and um, checking valve clearances and replacing sprockets and chains and brake pads. And of course we've got some spares, spare brake pads and different things like that. Um, pretty tires. And yeah, tires. I actually on the F800 as well. Uh, I, I changed the rear tire so that it is now tubeless with the Outex uh, tape solution. And uh, so, and everybody, of course, I still carry a tube if I, if I need, but uh, so d- doing some things to try to expedite um, repairs that, you know, inevitably could happen. Maybe, maybe it won't. Now, are you um, camping or hoteling it or is it a combination? Primarily camping. And uh, we're pretty good with that, but we'll see how sustainable that is. I've also tried to sign up for something called trusted house sitters. And in that you do an exchange for watching pets and you get to stay at the people's house. So I'm hoping that will slow us down, get us some internet, get me some time with some animals, which we like to call floofs around here. So tell me, Sharon, first you, what's this trip about? I think this trip is about uh, taking a change of pace. And I've always tried to be present in the moment. I think, uh, trying to have that time. We like each other's company and we often say, you know, we're each other's best friends. So just seeing what we can do minimally. Whenever we're on the road, you realize how little you really need. Uh, It's about being open to the opportunities as they come, the people and the places and just taking in the joy and the beauty of it all. How about you, Doug? What's the trip about for you? I, I'm fascinated with, with learning about how people live in, in other parts of the world um, in, in, or how people live um, that don't necessarily live in the same way that we do. Um, I'm, 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 I'm amazed by the number of stories that exist in, in all of um, our individual lives, you know, just in your own family and your own friends. Um, everybody's traveling some form of journey and, um, and there's just so many stories and, 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 and I'm just uh, overwhelmed by that when I drive, even, even in, you know, if for a local ride where you go up North somewhere, it's like, there are just people everywhere. And every one of those people has got stories and, um, you know, and, and struggles or, or whatever else. And, and I'm, I'm, um, humbled and, and incredibly grateful for, for, uh, where we find ourselves that where we found ourselves living in, 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 you know, in what part of the world we've lived in and what sort of family experiences we've lived in or had, um, and, and just, uh, the places that, uh, 
the way that we can live. We've, uh, we did a trip down in, in Peru, Nicaragua. Um, and, uh, and we're just so, yeah, as Sharon says, they, people live with so little and are so happy and we've got, you know, comparatively so much. And, and we, we, I like to plug into, into that minimalism, minimalism and, 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 and just adventure of not knowing what we're going to see and, and being open to the experiences, um, open to seeing things, open to, to, to being surprised. So how do you do that? How do you, I mean, you, cause you're going to Europe, Iceland, it's not like visiting South America, for instance, but, but how do you find that in an area? Like what's your plan of action when you sort of right now go and, and pick up your bikes and, and ride off? How do you start your adventure? We have come across so many things. So when we were in Italy for our 25th anniversary, um, we, we kind of would have a bit of a route planned out and then you just don't know what happened. Like we ran across the Giratalia race, which is kind of like Tour de France. And we did that completely by chance. And we also ran into another race where it was these vintage um, antique cars outside of Florence. And we just happened across it. Um, so we, the we, plan jo- is- we joined it. We, we actually, the police just flagged us in and we were in this <laughs> race. Yeah. And in, and in Peru, we would run across parades. And so we just seemed to find things completely by accident. So that is our plan to find things by accident. <laughs> if, if you can plan that, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's true. And, 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 and most, most of that comes out of, I mean, we don't have hard plans on things and people are asking us, um, at one point I sort of said, you know, my next milestone is, is to find our, you know, the, the biggest planning goal we've got right now is to find ourselves and the bikes in the same place at the same time. And, and from there we're going to figure it out. Yeah. We booked our first campsite two nights ago. And that's as far as you got in the planning process. So you don't have hotels, you don't have destinations where you say roughly by this date, we're going to be here and blah, blah, blah. A little bit for Iceland because that's a vacation portion for him and he's not working. And Iceland has this great camping pass that you can purchase. So the camping pass is open to um, Icelanders or anybody from abroad and it gives you access to so many sites around the country. So we know that we will go to certain areas and we'll find one of those campsites for the night. So you're just going to bounce around. Basically you're going to ride and whatever catches your fancy, you have a rough direction and that's your approach. We have a route, but what we've been told uh, both from people who've been there and exploring is that Iceland's weather is very unpredictable and you can drive around a corner and the weather will be different or you can wait 10 minutes and the weather will be different. So we have, we have a rough plan, but we know we might have to be flexible with it given the weather. How about extending beyond Iceland though? So when you, we head into Europe, is there any sort of plan or structure with that? We have a bit of a rough plan again. So Faroe Islands is between Iceland and Denmark. We we're intentionally spending a couple of days there. And then from Denmark, we'll spend time there, Germany, Netherlands, and then into the UK. And UK, because it's Brexit isn't on that Shenzhen Union clock. So we have 90 out of 180 days that there's only so many days we can be in certain countries and Iceland puts us on the clock that way. So we still do have a clock. <laughs> that's, that's our most, that's, yeah, that's one of our, our, our sad points. If we, if, if, if we want to, you know, 
poor us. Yeah, poor, poor, poor <laughs> us. We can only be in Europe in 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 some of the countries in Europe ninety out of one hundred and eighty days. So, um, so that becomes a little. It does become a clock. It becomes a tally of clocks because it doesn't matter if you jump out for a little. I mean, if you jump out, that's that's fine. But uh, but you're you're you still only have an allowance of so many days you can be in the in in these other countries. So. So that has caused us, um, and I, and hopefully, actually, to a to a good extent, um, to explore other options. The UK certainly um, is is actually not one of those those countries. So so that's uh, that's got a separate set of visa um, requirements or, or so forth. But um, it has us looking at, at different countries like Croatia. We'll probably um, we will spend, we will uh, spend. A, a month uh, probably planting. I say probably a couple of times there. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we will go to Croatia and uh, and spend a month there to just kind of get some roots in in some places along the trip as well. Uh, and that Turkey. looks like one of the countries we will do that in. Turkey, we we expect to go to. Um, we also expect to, to jump across to Morocco. Morocco yeah. um, so so we are getting certainly off the beaten track in, in certain ways as well. Um, and that accomplishes a couple of goals. It, it helps us, uh, you know, burn down the 90 day clock or the 180 day clock and uh, in, in some other areas and, and lets us uh, explore some uh, some slightly more rugged areas as well. And in your planning process, are you picking, you know, sites in the, in the countries and saying, well, I want to see this and you want to see that, that sort of thing as you're, as you're setting up your route? Correct. So we've got OneNote is kind of the software we're using and we have different countries and we have lodging accommodations, camping, all those kinds of things that are things I can look back. So the plan is sort of when Doug is working his three days, I will be using part of that time to research where the next leg of the trip will go. Mm. So three days a week, Doug has to work, but you're not set for any days of the week. Isn't that good? I planned that really well. <laughs> you definitely sound the smarter one here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but Doug, so these, these three days, do they have to be consecutive or are you, or are they set for this, the days of the week, like Wednesday through Friday or something? They're not at this point. Um, that's going to be one of the things that we may have to figure out, um, finding our rhythm. Like we, we have a bit of a sense, however much it burns us out sometimes. We know what, we do, what we've done with three-week trips. But as not sustainable, that's not sustainable for for a longer time. And I haven't been working through that time. So so there's there's a large degree of flexibility as long as it it kind of meets the needs back home to the team that's that's still, you know, that's doing things here. So whether that means, you know, I'm watching my my phone for some emails and taking a few minutes at a gas stop to uh, to to push a few things forward um, to to make sure that I'm I'm still being responsive and available, um, or if that means that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays I'm uh, I'm you know s- sitting at a, at a desk somewhere, it'll probably be a hybrid of that. And, and a picnic um, table somewhere. Yeah, a picnic table somewhere, you know, where I can get tether my phone or or get some Wi-Fi. I mean, there's a huge advantage, obviously, because you're getting to do this adventure yet still get income. And I think everybody seems to, you know, be looking for a way to do that. I mean, who who doesn't want to make money while they're traveling around? Basically, kind of on vacation. Take just a quick break. We're going to be right back. Stay with us. We get a lot more coming up. Summer is halfway through. Did you realize that? 
Now, before the summer slips away and you get nothing in there, why not do something fun, informative, and well worth your time? Even a ride. Overland Expo Mountain, August 26th through 28th in Loveland, Colorado at the Ranch. Now, Overland Expo is a premier overlanding event series in the world. No other event offers the scope of classes taught by the world's leading experts alongside a professional-level trade show, and it brings everything together for camping and vehicle and motorcycle equipment and services that you need to get outfitted, get trained, get inspired, and get going. Now, you can camp there. They've got over 175 specialized classes, slideshows, demos, activities, and presentations, and get this, over 250 exhibitors, all in one place, all at one time, all with other like-minded people, those that love overland travel. Now, there's tons of motorcycle-specific things to do there, see and experience. You'll likely be talking about it for some time afterwards. On the Friday, uh, Saturday, and Sunday, they've got Learn to Ride a Motorcycle. They've got a motorcycle party and, and raffle with a dinner and drinks and prizes. Just so much going on. Overlandexpo.com is a website. You need to get your tickets online, so go online, book your tickets, get something in this summer. Overlandexpo.com. And anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. A motorcycle camping store, period. Motocampnerd.com is the one-stop shop for us that love to camp from our motorcycles. It's motorcycle camping only, hence the moniker Moto Camp Nerd. And they stock only items that are great for motorcycle camping. The owners are Ben and Mary Williams, and they are motorcycle campers. They love to camp. Moto Camp Nerds, so to speak. And they invented the Moto Camp Nerd store so that we can walk into a shop or even shop online and buy things, look at things that have been picked for motorcycle camping. You need advice on what works best for what you're doing with your motorcycle? Ben and Mary are happy to help. That's what they're there for. The best thing is, that's what they focus on. Us motorcyclists, nothing else. Nothing is worse than that blank stare you see in the outdoor store when you talk about motorcycle camping. They don't have a clue what you're talking about. Motocampnerd.com. Have a look. And anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Motocampnerd.com. I mean, there's a huge advantage, obviously, because you're getting to do this adventure yet still get income. And I think everybody seems to, you know, be looking for a way to do that. I mean, who who doesn't want to make money while they're traveling around, basically kind of on vacation in a way the whole time. Uh, but and the other thing I'm thinking about, though, is those three days, in a way, that can help slow you down. That, that can help um, force you to spend a little bit more time in one place. Now, granted, I know you're working somewhat during that time, but just the act of staying in one spot could possibly open up things for you to, to see around that, you know, that you might have otherwise just rode by. Yeah. And that's that kind of before and after work, you get a new neighborhood to discover, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like that. And it's, um, when you're thinking about work, Dougie, are you thinking, cause you mentioned picnic table there and you also mentioned sitting at a desk, uh, you, I think you'd originally said that thinking of hotels or finding internet, but will, will a campground suffice that all you need to work? Just Wi-Fi? Campgrounds over there are pretty, um, different from a lot of them here. Like, when we were in Italy, some of the campgrounds had concierges and uh, office space areas and pools and restaurants. Like they're not like what we think of campgrounds here mm. in Canada. And so some of those, uh, even in Iceland, some of those campground stations have little areas that are common areas with Wi-Fi and you could set up in there easily. So that's that's part of the exploring along the way and setting up to make sure we've got access to that. 
So this is going to dictate your your speed of travel, probably thankfully, because it's going to keep Doug slowed down a little bit, uh, not not trying to burn <laughs> off those kilometers. But uh, on your your list of places to go, you mentioned about time and sort of going against you know having the deal with the clock, which we all have to, whether we pretend we we don't or not, we all have to for some reason or another. But do you have countries that you're you're going to have to see? I mean, is Morocco a must for you? Must you end up in there? I think it's more want to. So when we're looking at uh, having things outside, Morocco is definitely a country I've wanted to go to. And um, the cost there will be considerably lower. So that also helps. Uh, There's also a a great little fishing town that uh, there's some kiteboarding. So we're hoping to reintroduce that into the mix. So it's it's not so much a have to as a, a want to and get to. And also trying to, you know, again, you know, we not only look at the clock a certain amount, but but also we have to look at weather, um, and uh, and and we are already quite possibly going to find ourselves in in, in cooler conditions than than we want. But certainly to uh, you know in the in the in the winter months to be able to head to, to the uh, you know stay close to the Mediterranean or or even south of it that would um, seemingly help our our, our weather challenges because Sharon doesn't like cold. <laughs> and Sharon, the way you describe your thought process with riding is that you're not into, I mean, is the ride a big part of it for you? Put it this way. Would you be happy if you were doing the same vacation in a RV or, or just uh, maybe, you know, backpacking it? I could be happy with that. My husband, not so much, but um, no, I do like the riding. I love, you know, open sloping curves when it's the hairpin curves, he loves it. And I don't. So I know there's going to be just some of those differences along the way, but sometimes it's the price of admission is what we like to say, right? You, um, and so hopefully it's all good and safe. And that's just always a consideration too. I'm probably a more defensive driver than he is. And so that for me is more tiring mentally at the end of the day where he just, can immerse himself into the ride and and not think about the dangers quite as actively as I do. Yeah, that's what I thought as soon as you said that. I can picture you, you know, getting into some mountain passes or something where there's some hairpin turns. And and for Doug, it's going to be great fun. At the end of the day, he's going to be exhilarating, but you're going to be completely spent by stressing a little bit with uh, with dealing with the style riding. That's going to be quite a different experience for you at the end of the day. I think too, it's like I definitely have gotten better with my riding. And uh, so it's not that I'm not a good rider. I just take lower risks than he does. When we did the Blue Mountain uh, Ridgeway or Blue Mountain. Blue Ridge Parkway. Blue, that one. Yeah. Uh, Years ago, Doug was like, we have to do Tale of the Dragon. And we were driving along it and, you know, it's this lovely, lovely curvy road and he is in his glory. And we got one of the many, many lookouts and I'm like, they just don't stop. The curves don't stop. <laughs> now, I think if I went back and did that ride, we probably would make it to the tail of the dragon, but that time we did not. <laughs> <laughs> because you didn't want to do it. There's just no way. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done with these curves. Yeah. <laughs> so now, cu- like I said, if I went back, I would do it this time, right? <laughs> right. So it's just as you're, as you're becoming a more advanced rider. I mean, you, you said you've been riding for eight years now, right? Correct. Yeah. So- Come the one year point, when you guys get up to that, you're in Morocco. Is there a decision there to be made? Like, like you're saying a one year trip, but you sort of alluded to, well, it could be more if things work out. Let's just say everything goes smoothly. Work falls into a pattern. Sharon, you find a way to even extend it and, and flourish with your work as well. So you're both doing fine with that. Will it continue at that point? 
It's totally a possibility. And the other thing that we've talked about is we had a plan to ship the bikes to Iceland. We don't have a plan to ship them back. And so another mm. possible consideration is do we store them in Europe somewhere and then we can come back to them? So there's lots of different possibilities and we're open to that. Um, but we have older parents too. And so we just, again, want to be conscious of even though we have adult children, we have family and um, we see what the needs are and we respond to that. We see what pandemics are doing. We see what world politics are doing. All of those things are, are, are things that we say are future Doug and Sharon problems because we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's wars, there's, there's pandemics, there's yeah border closures, there's, you, you run into things. And, and so there's no point in, in trying to, to plan all of that because things, you know, can you very know. likely change. And, and it, it, yeah, it keeps you from getting disappointed if, if you've got a massive goal that, you know, here's the route and, you know, I won't be satisfied unless I finish that route. It gives us the ability to change that without, without a lot of disappointment. Yeah. For you know example, what? like what's happening in Russia right now and the Ukraine, we had thought for sure we wanted to do things like Warsaw, Poland, but they have a lot of influx of people from the Ukraine. And so at this point, that's not on the table. A year from now, maybe it would be. How will social media play into your trip? Well, um, we do have a lot of friends that uh, that get really uh, excited about the the journey that we're going to do, and uh, and and I do like to be able to share that. So, being a bit of a techie, um, I'm happy to uh, to kind of fly the drone around a little bit here and there, and and try to capture some of the stuff and 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 put together uh, some YouTube videos and so forth. Um, so I'm happy to share that, and 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 I I I hope that people enjoy that, and um, we've kind of with this being more of a formal. Um, expedition or whatever of ours this year we've, we've kind of started up um a website and uh, and some some social media uh, pages we we uh, we go by are are we here yet.net or is the, is the website is are we here yet.net uh we have a facebook page which is are we here yet uh we instagram, have instagram youtube and uh, and youtube so, uh, so we're going to work at, 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 uh, we're certainly not professionals at it, but we're going to work at, at sharing our, our journeys and, and sharing our experiences. Um, and we've, we have done it in different ways, like in Facebook and things like that in the past. And, uh, and we, we like to be authentic about it. It's, it's the not highs always, and the lows. yeah, you get the, the highs and, and, and we definitely share some of the lows where we're in a rainstorm or where uh, where Sharon might not be happy with me and and things like that. So we we, we try to to be authentic about that and uh, and share that with people and just kind of let them know what uh, what we're into. And uh, if I think that uh, that seems to um, attract people's attention. But I don't want it to have to be so consuming that we have to put up so many posts in a day or uh, you know because that can become work and a lot of work. Well, I was thinking that, that when you said drone, Doug, when you mentioned drone, I'm thinking, wow, I mean, you're going to be working three days a week and then you're going to fly a drone and you're going to get video and you're going to put together videos. I mean, even with all the social media, it seems like a lot of work. It I, is. <laughs> this This is why, yeah, finding the rhythm is, is going to be um, really key. And, um, you know, you'd have to check in with us down the road to see, see what rhythm we find. Um, 
because you're absolutely right. Video, you know, I don't want to uh, find myself, you know, working behind the computer seven or eight days a week and still trying to travel already with with work. You know, I, I fear the the conflict that that will be in you know in my head in terms of when I'm working. I, I'll probably feel like I should be exploring the neighborhood, and when I'm exploring the neighborhood, I might feel like I should be working. And will get uh, over that. <laughs> and uh, well, we, I got to find we got to find that balance and find out you know to what extent we can share. Um, I hope we can share it, and uh, ex- expect to do so because I think it's I think it's an interesting you know you know, fun thing that I have, I have benefited from all the other people before me, you know, sharing their stories. I've, I've, uh, I've spent, you know, many time, many hours, you know, reading ride reports and, and listening to, to stories, you know, on, on, on adventure rider radio, um, different things like that, that just, um, have, have stimulated my imagination. So, so in, in some part, I, I want to be able to contribute back into that community and, and hope that it does the same for other people. What do you think the greatest challenge is for what you guys are doing? Sharon's looking at me. She wants to see what I'm going to say. Um, I, I, managing, um, it will continue to communicate. We've been astounded um, with, with things that we thought we agreed upon, um, that, uh, when, when you start really getting closer to it, it's like, no, we're not actually on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and we feel that we communicate pretty well, mm-hmm. but, but as we go through this process, we, we find that, um, um, you know, what we're thinking, you know, what one person is thinking, the other person might be thinking the polar opposite and, uh, or, or, or a very different, um, rendition of, of, of have a different set of expectations. So, so trying to, to align our expectations to each other and, uh, and make sure that those don't become stressors in and, in and of themselves is, uh, is, is an ongoing exercise and, and, and something that, uh, that is, is just really important. We don't want to, um, burn each other out. We don't want to disappoint each other in terms of, of, um, you know, one person wants to do and the other person's, you know, hates it. Um, you know, so we have to figure out how to, uh, um, make sure that we're on the same page along the way. I think communication is key. And I also think, you know, like, uh, perhaps some of the times when he's working, it'll be a challenge for me just to find, what that rhythm is like between planning the next route or doing the laundry or uh, exploring on my own, the things he doesn't like to explore. Those are just some of those unknowns that we'll have to have to deal with. But I think too, it's like we've talked about uh, as we, as we talk about aging people, not everyone always is as adaptable or as flexible. And so I think in some ways we are, intentionally putting ourselves into a position that's pushing those boundaries because we want to remain malleable with those things. So sometimes challenges bring about very good skill sets. Give an example of one of the things that you, you guys thought you were aligned on and then you find out that you're not. Meat Cove. Meat Cove is this uh, easternmost point in the East Coast and people had talked it up to him and he he was just all excited about going to Meat Cove. And I'm like, I could care less about Meat Cove. I'm sure it's a lovely place. I'm sure it is. And as we get going on this road, the road gets worse and worse and the wind gets higher and higher. 
and uh, and it gets to the point where she's done with that. So so I get fixated on a goal, um, you know, and, and whether it's an endpoint or a destination, and 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 I'm loving the road. And in the meantime, she's in a, a very different headspace that is hating every moment of it and doesn't understand why we're doing this, and 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 couldn't care less. Let's just go find another, you know, just past. 15 perfectly good campgrounds. Let's go there. Um, and, and just trying to, to adjust, um, yeah, adjust the expectations or communicate, you know, what is important about a certain part of the trip or certain, you know, Hey, I've seen this and I, you know, I'm really interested in seeing that. And it's like, well, I don't want to, um, and, and trying to, to sort these, uh, these things out and, uh, you know, whether it's a negotiation or, or you concede or, or different things like that, you, you it's, but it's, we, we're trying to respect each other in, in the process as well, in terms of, you know, if it's important to somebody, um, to, do it or do not do it. Um, you know, we certainly um, want to make space for that, and and uh, and you know, there's lots of other things to do. So, so I'm incredibly grateful to have a, a partner um, who's who's willing to to travel with me like this and and do it in this way. Um, and and I know that that there's a lot of people that that don't have that. And uh, the shared experience to me is is really important to be able to to you know sit back at the end of the day and you know or or three years or eight years later and say remember that when we did like that is is so valuable to me and 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 I'm so honored to have uh, um, have her willing to share those experiences and do those t- together. That um, that's that's huge. I don't I don't. Um, underestimate the value of that. Sharon started out there with an anecdote about Meat Cove, and then you sort of went into generalities. I'm curious, what happened there? So how does this, how does this play out? How does it come to a head? So Meat Cove comes to the head where I stopped at probably the windiest portion of the road and said, you drive on ahead if you want. I'm staying here. You check it out. So he drives on ahead and I'm cursing Meat Cove. Why does anyone want to go to Meat Cove? The wind is whipping stones at me and I'm like pushing my bike so it doesn't fall over and take a little nap. And then he comes back and he's like, oh yeah, the rest of the road is really great. Let's keep going. And I said, uh, no, (laughs) we are turning around. And not only that, but we'd met another couple of people from Ontario who had been checking out our bikes, talking with us. And we told them about Meat Cove. Well, don't we run into them the next day? And they talk about we got to meet Cove. It was so awesome. <laughs> and Doug just rolls his eyes because he did not get to camp at Meat Cove, but he did drive all the way there. So there's, there's no, um, like, like in other words, and, and I wouldn't do this either, but there's no splitting up of the couple temporarily. Like, you know, Sharon, you go camp, Doug rides off to meet Cove. He has experience there and comes back the next day sort of thing. There's none of that going to happen then. We might do some stuff like if he's working and I want to go visit another hundred church or something or some great historical plaque. He might just stay and I'll, I'll go do that. But um, I don't think we'd want to split up too much or too far, but it's, it's a possibility. He might even potentially have to go work remotely somewhere else. And if that happens then we know I might stay where we are, I might go fly somewhere else or I might go with them or I might come home. Right. So there might be some times where that does happen. Mm. It's it's um, notable what Doug said about, you know, you want to respect each other as far as the things that you want to see. 
And I, th- I think that makes perfect sense. And, you know, that's something that's a balance that you have to work out. And it's almost a case by case basis, I guess, because this meat cove thing, obviously, Sharon, you were trying to go along with this, but it, you had your limit. I had my limit. Yes. Doug, you, when you were talking there, you said that you were, you know, you really respected the fact that, that you had Sharon and, and you, you valued the fact that, that you had Sharon coming with you traveling. And I'm sort of curious, do you picture it as your sort of adventure and Sharon's going with you? Is that, is that a thought process? Well, that's an interesting question. (laughs) We're going to take a break here. I've got two very quick things that I want to tell you about, but when we come back, Doug's answer, stay with us. When Harold Cecil started Giant Loop Moto, he wasn't trying to make fancy bags or impress anyone with loads of straps and buckles. In fact, what Harold was doing was concentrating on what mattered to him and his fellow riders, building gear that was super tough, lightweight, and designed for the job. In other words, know everything including the kitchen sink designs. Harold's a rider, so he thinks like we do, except that he went on to do more and more research to find how to make gear that was lightweight and super tough, that did the job, did what we wanted it to do as riders. He came up with go light, go fast, go far. That's their motto. And they still hold true to that principle. Modular bags that are tough, purpose-built bags without redundant extras. Go light, go fast, go far with GiantLoopMoto.com. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. GiantLoopMoto.com. You know, there's so many products that look the part, feel the part, But when you you get them home, the cheapness, you know, starts to seep out. You've had them. Parts fall off and break and the performance is not there. Why is that, you ask? You know the answer. Because the company's all about selling and that's it. They have no skin in the game, so to speak. So when I say IMS Products makes incredible foot pegs for us adventure riders, that is what I mean. IMS Products has been around since 1976 and the whole time they produce top-notch products and get better all the time, of course, because they use everything they've learned up until now on the product they're making for tomorrow. IMS Products is on almost every podium finisher's motorcycle in off-road racing, and there's a reason for that. It's quality. IMS Products foot pegs are designed specifically for adventure riders. They're made in the USA. They have a lifetime warranty. You can't beat that. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them on Adventure Rider Radio. Doug, you, when you were talking there, you said that you were, you know, you really respected the fact that, that you had Sharon and, and you, you valued the fact that, that you had Sharon coming with you traveling. And I'm sort of curious, do you picture it as your sort of adventure and Sharon's going with you? Is that, is that a thought process? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> do you I, get paid for therapy sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say it's it's certainly um, uh, my dream um, in terms of of doing a, a more extended time on on bikes um, is is sort of a, a vision that um, that that I've gr- grabbed onto and and done my best to uh, to convince her to <laughs> to be a part of it. Um, I by no means think that this is this is my journey because. Uh, we, we have to do it together in my mind. It's, it's, she, she helps bring a balance to me and, 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 you know, and appreciates certain things that, and, and helps me appreciate certain things that, uh, that otherwise I might skip past. 
and, and even even in trying to find a rhythm and and um, speed of which we travel, you know, I think uh, you know we've uh, you can you can fly through things like I sort of said earlier. Yeah, we, you know, as eighteen year olds, we we flew up to Alaska and back in three weeks, and 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 just filled our tanks and went. Um, and we missed probably you know, we missed a lot in in that process. And and to have somebody like Sharon say, no, we're not going to do it that fast. We're gonna we're gonna take some time, or we're gonna make more time for it, or or something, um, because there's an awful lot to see in that. Um, helps to uh, to balance me out, and uh, and and hopefully hopefully we find a good balance, be, you know, between us. That uh, and and I like like she said. I mean, we get along well. We I think we communicate well, you know, as 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 we go. And, uh, and we, 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 we walk life together and, um, and sometimes you get to meet Cove, but a lot of times you get a lot of other beautiful things. And I would say too, even in setting out this trip, he would have loved to do Africa or South America. And so we negotiated on the Iceland and the Europe and then adding in the places like Turkey and Morocco. Right. Um, so even in that, that was a compromise to make this our trip and um, Doug, pushes me to do things that I wouldn't do on my own. So I would not have chosen to ride a motorcycle on my own. And, and I've gotten a lot of joy doing that and doing that kind of travel. So he, he, uh, balances me too, in terms of pushing and, and there's a different sense of security doing it together that, um, I wouldn't be as adventurous to do it on my own. So I appreciate that as well. And the compromise thing that you just said, there's nothing negative about that about compromise is compromise no. is something you do between two people to, um, to sort of try and, and, and get things that you both enjoy. And I, I like what you said there that, um, you, Doug is pushing your limits. And I, and I assume that you may be pushing some of Doug's limits too, with the places that you want to go to. And you end up, I think uh, you end up discovering things maybe about yourself or about places that you wouldn't have otherwise experienced. Absolutely. That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sharon, what's your biggest fear about this trip? The one uh, that you haven't told Doug about yet. Oh, I think he's heard it. Our, our daughter's cat passed away. And so, you know, when you say goodbye, you have that risk of that being the final goodbye. And that was a cat. So I guess my biggest fear would be um, losing a parent. Yeah. But they've all been really good about do it while you can and take this opportunity and uh, live your own life. And uh, although they might have some reservations and some fears on their end, and maybe that's part of where some of the fears come through, we're like, we're a plane ride back home. Mm -hmm. So we hope we don't have to deal with any of those. But um, if we do, we'll do that together too. Absolutely. How do you deal with that that fear before you go? Is it something that you that you can sort of put to rest? I well, we've had those conversations and and said that. And my mom's my mom is very pragmatic. If I die, you don't have to come back for my funeral. I won't know you're there. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, did she say that to you? She said that to me. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, I mean, mom. that makes and a lot of sense, doesn't it? You know what's the rush, right? It does. And my dad is already gone. I think even something like that, if, if one of Doug's parents passed away, um, 
you know, maybe you do say we don't come back for the funeral because there'll be other people around, but we come back in a month's time and we spend time with the parent who's left behind. It's, it will be done on a case by case basis. And I, I think too, at the end of the day, I try not to spend too much time thinking about that. But in some ways, when you work that through in your head, you say, we will figure it out as it comes and not worry about it too much because that will add nothing to our trip. Mm -hmm. And the thing that, I mean, life is like this because, you know, any day can be the last day for any of us, whether you're here or whether you're there. How does that make you feel? The thought of the distance being away? What does that do for you? What does that change from being here? I think in some ways, like we were Zooming with the parents that lived a half hour drive away during the pandemic, right? And so in some ways, connections look different and can look different. And when we were planning a trip away, we wouldn't necessarily have thought, oh, yeah, sure, our parents will learn how to use that technology. But they have and they they do and we can, right? So in some ways, um, pandemic, like you said, has given us things uh, ways of looking at things or approaching things that we wouldn't have before. So I think it just means those connections look different. I think, uh, you know, one of the challenges is, is more so in, in not being able to be as present as, as we, we are now, you know, physically is, is that, um, you know, we have adult kids, but, um, as I said earlier, I mean, everyone is, is, is living their own story and, and has their own challenges and stuff. And you like to be there for, for that, to be able to, to play a part in it. Um, to give a hug. To give a hug and, and, and to, to be able to, to just make sure things are okay. And, and so we, we leave with a certain amount of, of faith that, um, that, you know, things will be okay and that, you know, we can, we will try to do things in a new reality virtually, or, or as Sharon said, if we need to come back, we will absolutely come back. Um, and, uh, and just kind of, um, you know, working that through. Um, and, but on the, on the flip side of it though, also, and we've often said this is that, um, I, on this side of things, a year, you know, or the, the outlook of a year feels like a, a long time. Um, but you know, when, when, you know, there've been so many years that you've looked back and it's like, wow, that, that, that last year went really fast or that was, you know, or that trip was, was already six years ago. Um, you know, I think in a certain way, you know, that time will also pass fast. You mentioned son and then you said you have adult children. How many kids is it? Three. So you have three kids. Um, how many boys, girls, men, women? Our, our oldest is, uh, 26 and a plumber. And then we have a daughter who's going to be 24 and she's a chemical engineer with the government. And our youngest is 20 and in university. So they're, they're not little anymore. Right. And, and how do they feel about you guys going on this trip? Uh, they're, they're fine. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> they don't they're, care. They're yeah. Good. Mom, dad, go do whatever you want to do. <laughs> they're, they're caught well, up in life. Doug mentioned Nicaragua that we'd been there before and we did that as a family for a month. And, um, at that point, Doug and Jeremiah were wearing, riding dirt bikes and I wasn't, I rode on the back of a dirt bike with Jeremiah for some of the trip, but then we rode chicken buses and we stayed in hostels and we showed them what traveling can look like because oh, we wow. wanted them to see the world. So I think they've gotten a taste of this with us. We've gone on camping trips as a family and borrowed my brother's bike and our daughter can also drive a motorcycle. So they've experienced a little bit with us. 
And yeah, like, yeah, some of that stuff, they reflect quite fondly on, on like, as an example, the Nicaragua trip, which was just, you know, something that, that we did. Um, yeah. And certainly was big for us as a family, but, but years and years later, the kids reflect upon that as one of their best, me- you know, some of their, memories. their best memories. So, wow. um, so that they understand that, um, I think in some respects it gives them a fever for this because even, <laughs> even, you know, one of our daughters is like, yeah, you know what, I may- maybe I'm going to take a year off and and go travel too i i like this idea you know so it's <laughs> it's it it's it's a little infectious perhaps but uh, <laughs> but they're very supportive and and very independent and 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 um you know, very competent people. So, so we, uh, you know, they will be helping us uh, a little bit, you know, with, with keeping an eye on the house and different things like that. But, um, they, they're, they're supportive of, of the trip and, uh, and, and encourage us to it. You know, I'm, I'm thinking Sharon, because riding for you is not something that you're as passionate about as Doug is, is there the risk that the riding thing could get to you on a trip like this? Have you thought about that? I do find actually like on our three week trips, the first couple of days, I'm a little more hesitant. And then once I get into it, I progress and I'm more relaxed. So in some ways, I think the longer ride of it, um, it will just help me. And and there's always kind of this switch that flips between, oh my goodness, I can only drive my motorcycle or hop on public transit or walk if I want to get anywhere. I can't hop in my car Mm -hmm. to, this is okay. I can ride my bike and do everything I would do uh, where at home I might choose to hop on my car instead of putting all my gear on on the bike. It just, uh, and if we need to take a break, we take a break. But I I think once I get into the rhythm of it, the fact that I'm riding a bike won't feel as intimidating. It just is. Is there a bailout plan or, or is there total confidence in working everything out as you go? Is there going to be a point? I mean, like, let's just say that, that there is a point where somebody gets sick of something. Is there a bailout plan where you, where you say, okay, um, I'm thinking like, and I, and I don't want to pick on you, Sharon, and I'm not at all, but I'm thinking that <laughs> if if Sharon gets sick of the ride, because I think Sharon's really being, uh, in, in my mind, she's the one that's sort of having to stretch a little bit here as far as the ride goes. And I totally understand that that's not anyone's fault. That's just the way that the world works sometimes in certain situations. So if it gets to the point, and I'll put that scenario out there, that, that Sharon says, you know what? I'm sick of living off my motorcycle. I'm sick of doing the ride. Is there a plan for that? We have a a trip back that we're hoping to do in the fall around Thanksgiving. So I told him he has to behave. (laughs) (laughs) Because otherwise she won't come back to Europe with me. She's just going to come back to Canada and and stay here. So, so, so yeah, it's that, that's, that's the litmus test or, or, or the, we, but we totally are, um, we have options. Like we said, you know, what's your fear? Okay. So if we lose a parent, we've sort of said, okay, we'll take two trips back over the year. Although we've only really solidly talked about Thanksgiving and, um, he's got some work stuff that'll kind of coordinate with that too. But we have budgeted into our plan that we can fly back. And so, yeah, if we need to, we, we take that break and I think we're good enough to sort of negotiate that along the way. Cause I would still want to be in Europe and travel. So maybe we do do that. Okay. You stay put here on the beach for a week and I'm going to go tour around and we'll meet back up like that. There's, I think, I think we would probably try a break before a, a bail. I don't, I don't, 
I know Doug would be disappointed if we had to not do it <laughs> for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, yeah, the bailout plan would be, yeah, the same as any of our plans is something that we would devise and develop and work out um, at the, at the time and at the, at the need. And, and that could take different shapes, whether that's to take a break from it, you know, park the bike somewhere and, uh, and come home, whether that's, uh, um, I, I, I doubt that we would split and try to do different, uh, different experiences. I, I, I would feel uncomfortable about doing that, uh, in, in terms of, you know, we, we do like to have shared experiences and, and I'd rather, um, you know, solve the problem together rather than separately. And uh, we would just, um, we'd figure well, out how to, we how to deal with it. could easily say, I'm going to sit on the beach and you're going to go do some harder trails that I'm not interested in. Absolutely. So figuring out how to have time apart on a trip where you have a whole lot of time together. <laughs> so Doug, you would be fine with renting a car for, you know, the last four months of the trip or something and driving around in that? <laughs> no, no, he would not. <laughs> how, fle- how flexible or inflexible are you, Doug? <laughs> Do you, do you, do you really need to test these limits right now? Like this, this, this is like on permanent record and everything. <laughs> well, like I said, we've done the chicken buses before. He just, my husband is, is, um, frugal. And so renting a car, that's why that probably wouldn't happen because that would cost you, a lot of money. If you got a perfectly good bike sitting right there, that would, and, and then to drive on curvy roads in a car would just, uh, would, would be very difficult for me, but. Uh, He'd be like, you can double up today. You we'll know, come back you know for what? your bike. Things happen. <laughs> you know, so people, you, injuries happen and, and different things can happen. So, so you never say never to any of that stuff. Right. That's true. Well, it'll be interesting uh, to hear what this trip is like, you know, once you come back and and have the experience behind you. And it's an an interesting perspective we're doing here, talking about a trip that you haven't even done yet. But um, I like hearing the thought processes about what could be and what we hope to be. Mm -hmm. Doug and Sharon, it's been great to talk to you. and, And I hope to talk to you when you come back. Have a great trip. Thank you very much. You so it's much. Uh, it's a pleasure to share it with you, and and I hope that the uh, the listeners uh, can uh, can join the journey with us as well. That was Sharon and Doug Wildeboer, who are now on their trip. Their website is areweheryet.net. We've got that link and some photos from them in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. I just want to remind you that this episode has been brought to you by Green Chili Adventure Gear, greenchiliadv.com, Motobreeze Chain Oiler at motobreeze.com, and Best Rest Products at cyclepump.com. And we'd really appreciate it if anytime you're dealing with these companies, anytime, email or otherwise, let them know you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. Well, 
Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio, and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks, of course, to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much for being a part of this. Now, don't forget, we have another show called ARR Raw. It comes out once a month. You need to subscribe separately for that, and like Adventure Rider Radio, you can find it anywhere podcasts are found. And if you haven't done it already, we would love to get a five-star review from you on iTunes or wherever it is you find your podcast. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name's Jim Martin. Thank you very much for being a part of this. I'll talk to you next week. Hi, this is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 